Praise God. Why don't you be seated for a few minutes? Thank you, Pastor, for those kind words. My mama would be happy and my daddy would be surprised. But at any rate, I'm so happy once again to be at Cornerstone with the wonderful saints of God. I not only love your pastor and his wife very deeply, but I have great respect for them. Amen. Thank God for their faithfulness to truth and uh, their desire to be used of God in these last days. Amen. Cornerstone is one of my favorite places to be, and I say that sincerely, not just because I'm here today, but because when Pastor Mayo invites me to come, I look forward to it, and I anticipate it, and I'm happy to be here this morning. Praise God. I, uh, I will just very briefly tell you that uh, the Lord did an incredible work in the country of Zambia, uh, South Africa. It was in the southern part of the continent of Africa. We were invited to go over by a uh, denominal organization. Uh, the bishop, the presiding bishop over this organization, uh, had received the revelation of the mighty God in Christ and also the necessity of being baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. However, because it was all new to him, he didn't really know how to present it, and so he asked us to come over and uh, to be a part of their annual conference that they have. Now, this man is the presiding bishop over 50 churches in Zambia, as well as churches in six other South African nations. It's a large, large work. And so, uh, Brother Buxton and I uh, accepted the invitation. We had a couple of other men that went with us. And... Um, as uh, he and Brother Buxton and I were the, were the two main speakers. In fact, we were given almost all of the teaching slots for that conference. Uh, there were some other speakers. One of them was a, uh, a bishop that uh, had been baptized several years ago. And so he, in Africa, he also attended and he was one of the speakers. But nevertheless, we spent Hours and hours and hours in the pulpit, teaching, preaching from every direction we could come from on this glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. We, we, we came from every direction that we could think of, uh, talking about the oneness of God, baptism in Jesus' name, the truth, the gospel, the plan of salvation. And so on Saturday morning, I felt that the time was getting close. And so while Bishop Buxton was uh, teaching, I had them take me to a local uh, store in the city of Lusaka where we were. And I purchased a swimming pool, five feet wide, seven feet long, and about two feet or better deep. And I took it back to the church because they had no baptismal tank at this church. 
And so we took it back to the church, set it up in the, in the yard outside, and they started filling it up with water. And so right about noontime, the bishop uh, said to us, all right, he said, the time has come. This was in private. He said, the time has come. I'm ready. He said, I want, he said, I've already called, because we were at that time filling the pool up. He said, I've already called a local lodge that has a swimming pool. He said, I want you to take my wife and I to this lodge and baptize us in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And so at noontime, we baptized him and his wife. We baptized a bishop from the country of Malawi. We baptized a pastor from the state or from the country of Zimbabwe and three other men. So there were seven that was baptized at that moment. So we went back to the church that afternoon and, and uh, I was to teach another lesson. And so uh, I taught. And then when I finished that lesson, I said, all right, we've been teaching here for three days. I said, now... We are, we are ready. If you have any question about anything we have taught, you can ask it. Any question. It doesn't matter. I said, I want you to know two things. Number one, we are not afraid of any question that you ask us about what we have preached. So it doesn't matter what the question is. Just go ahead and ask it. I said, the second thing is we're not afraid of any Bible verse that you present to us that you think contradicts what we have preached. I said, we're not afraid of those verses. So read them to us if you think they contradict. Well, for the next at least hour and a half, I stood on my feet, maybe two hours, and we answered questions. Uh, Brother Buxton uh, would, would, would be looking up scriptures, and he'd hand me the Bible, and I'd read the, the Bible verses. And so anyway, after all of that was complete, I said, now I'm asking the presiding bishop if he will to come up and close this uh, session out today. And he took the mic, and his words were this. He said, I want this conference to know that we have been preaching a message that is not biblical. He said, we have been preaching a message that is a message by man. Man has been the one that has Develop this message. He said, what these men have been preaching for three days is the Word of God. It is right by the Word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so he went on talking uh, for a little bit, and he said, so I... I am ready today to tell every one of you that at noontime this afternoon, my wife and I was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ according to the Word of God. And it said there is a pool outside this door full of water, and if you want to be baptized in Jesus' name, these men will baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And so he said, so if you want, it's out there. It's available. Somebody stepped to the door and said, they're already lining up. Amen. 
Between Saturday night and Sunday afternoon, we baptized over 125 people. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, there's, there's a little side story that I think is interesting, and I'm not going to take a long time with this, but this is so exciting for what God is doing. But there was a, a woman there that was a speaker, and this lady came from the U.S. She's about 40 years old. She was raised in a denominal church. She's done a lot of speaking around the U.S. She, in July of this year, now this just, just happened before we went to this conference in September. In July, she sold everything she owned, car, furniture, everything, put all the money in the bank, flew to Zimbabwe and made a commitment to serve as a missionary in Zimbabwe for 18 months at her own expense. No one to support her, no one to back her up. She went on her own. When she got on site in Zimbabwe, somebody in the U.S. let this bishop know that we were working with, that she was there and she was a speaker, and so he invited her to come to the conference. So she had to travel from Zimbabwe down to Zambia. She was one of the first speakers, and, you know, she, she was a good speaker. I, I, I'm not going to take anything away from her. I didn't believe half what she said, but anyway, she was a good speaker anyhow. And... Uh, so the, the wonderful thing is she had to sit through all of our lessons. Amen. And so as we were in our question and answer session, uh, she actually asked three different very good questions, very good questions, and we answered them. And so after we answered them, uh, she's so distraught in her spirit, she called the bishop from Zimbabwe over that had already been baptized in Jesus' name, and she said, look, you got to help me. She said, I know I have the Holy Ghost. I have no doubt I've got the Holy Ghost. But what these men are saying is that if I haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, then I'm not saved. And she said, you got to help me with this. I need you to help me. And he looked at her and he said, he said, I'll give you a very simple illustration. And he said, that illustration is this. If I gave a great wedding feast and I sent you an invitation, and in the invitation I said to you, you are welcome to come. I'm inviting you to come. But there are two requirements. One requirement is that you wear a necktie, and the second requirement is that you wear a coat. He said, now, if you get to the door and you've got a tie on but you don't have a coat on, are you going to get in the door? She said, no. He said, so at the same time, if you came and had a coat on but no tie, would you get in the door? She said, no. He said, point made. She looked at him and she said, I got to get baptized in Jesus' name. of her being one of the first ones in the pool getting baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 
and there's a lot other that I could tell in relation to that. God was good. It was great. In fact, uh, just in the past few days, we have gotten the messages from the brethren over there who are saying it is spreading like a brush fire throughout South Africa. Hallelujah. They took the message to the Congo. 36 were baptized. 16 of them were pastors. Amen. We have reports coming in of them being baptized in Zimbabwe. The bishop I baptized from Malawi, he has sent me pictures of baptizing people in the nation of Malawi. All I can tell you is when the time is right, God knows what he's doing. He knows how to do it. He knows when to do it. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. And so I'm delighted to be a part of what God is doing. I just returned this past Monday night from a two-week missions trip to the Philippines and to the nation of India. And the Philippines, I helped with an ITW, Hope Corps ITW, was one of the instructors. And then I went over to the nation of India uh, alone. I was by myself on this trip. Uh, there was a group that we have uh, been in contact with that I wanted to go over and uh, do some exploring as to where they were. Uh, they are a people that are hungry for more truth. They, they are... They are apostolic in the sense that they believe there is one God and they believe in being baptized in the great name of Jesus. However, there are other areas that they need help in and uh, went over there and discovered that here is a group of churches without any North American influence, without any North American uh, support or impact. They have 180 churches, 91 pastors, and I'm going back over, the Lord willing, in February, and we're going to have a pastor's conference to help train them and teach them in more knowledge of truth and more knowledge of apostolic doctrine. Hallelujah. Amen. All I can say today is what a God. I said, what a God. What a God. Hallelujah. Somebody clap your hands and give him praise. Woo! Hallelujah! My, my, my. Amen. And I could, I could go on. There's many other things I could talk about in relation to both of those trips. But the Lord is good. Great things are happening. We are uh, due to go back to Zambia next September. And there we will be doing a minister's conference also, training, teaching men on the various aspects of apostolic doctrine, how to develop an apostolic church. And uh, we're in the process of, of uh, putting all of that together now. So all I ask from uh, this local congregation is please pray with us. Support us in prayer that God will do great things and uh, that he will supply all of the needs in relation to these things. I, I do want to add one more thing because I think this is so important. Uh, whenever it was found out that I was going to India, there was a couple in our local church back in Florida that had been in contact with a man in, uh, in the, the uh, 
nation of India in the state of uh, Orissa. This is a state where many Christian pastors have been persecuted, even killed for what they preached. Don't know exactly what their doctrinal background is, but nevertheless, it's been a state where a lot of persecution has uh, has been placed on the Christian faith. And so uh, they found out I was going and they made contact with this man and said, uh, Bishop Bass will be in in uh, in in this the state of uh, or he will be in India. Uh, hopefully, he'll be close enough that you can go. So we made contact with him. Uh, this man rode a train for 24 hours from where he lived to where I was, just so he could be with us for those few days. 24 hours, and uh, whenever uh, he came, this is what struck me, Pastor. So forcibly and, and had such an impact on me. When this man got there, he never asked for money. He never asked for help. He never asked for support. But I found out in the course, because he does, he does speak English, and so he does understand the language that, that, uh, that we could communicate with. And so whenever, uh, as, as, as we progressed toward the end of the time, he said to me, he said, the reason I came down here is because I have been praying for a long, long time that God would give me a man that would serve as a spiritual advisor in my life. He said, I've been praying that God would open the door. And he said, I came here for one reason. I wanted to know if you were that man. Hallelujah. I'm not pinning roses on myself. But here's what struck me, that a man needed and wanted and desired spiritual authority, spiritual oversight, and was willing to travel 24 hours one way without even knowing if this was the right thing. And God put us together. Hallelujah. The most beautiful thing I've ever witnessed. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. When I awakened this morning, I had a text from him, a picture of him praying with a room full of young people. And you could hear them speaking in tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. The Holy Ghost, you obviously could tell, was in that prayer room. Hallelujah. And, and so, you know, while there are those in America, those in North America running from spiritual authority, there's those around the world that recognize how desperate they need spiritual authority. How desperate they need spiritual oversight. Amen. Amen. And so be praying for him. He works alone. He says, I have felt so alone for so long. He said, but now I feel like I've got somebody that will work with me and stand by me. Thank God. What a great God. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel so much Holy Ghost in this house. Praise God. I want to talk to you today from the book of Matthew chapter 21 and uh, beginning reading at verse number 1, Matthew 21 and verse number 1, reading down through verse number 11. I trust the Holy Ghost will get in this and that God will help me to convey this as I feel it today. Matthew 21 and 1, when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to, to Bethphage, Unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied, and a colt with her. Loose them, 
and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done that it may be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Sion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass, and the colt the foal of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them and brought the ass and the colt and put them on their, put on them their clothes and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way and others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Amen. I am going to, from this passage of Scripture, I want to preach on a particular thought. And because of the fact that many people are very uncomfortable with the term that is used here to describe this animal that Jesus rode on. I'm going to change the term to a donkey. And I just want to preach today on this thought, when all God needs is a donkey. Amen. When all God needs is a donkey. And somebody shout amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Praise God. The event that I have read to you here today is recorded by all four of what we call the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. One of the things, while each of them may have their own particular perspective and their view as to what happened in this uh, situation, one of the things that they all four do agree on, and that is they make a statement that the Lord has need of them or him. One says him, others say them. Be that as it may, the Lord has need of them. The Lord had a need, amen. That is a very rare event in Scripture. Uh, it's not something that you see in the Word of God simply because God really doesn't need anything. He's God. He doesn't need anything. In fact, Paul writes in Acts chapter 17 and said, For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Neither is worship with men's hands as though he needed anything. Seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. And so we understand even by what Paul said that God really doesn't need anything because God is self-sufficient. He does not need anything outside of himself to exist because he is self-existent. In fact, the very definition 
of the word Jehovah in the Old Testament. And the word Lord throughout the word of God simply means the self-existent eternal one. Amen. Because this God that we preach about really doesn't need anything. He is self-existent. He needs nothing outside of himself in order to survive, in order to be who he is. You and I need a great deal that is outside of us in order to retain our life and to maintain life. We need the oxygen from the air that we breathe. Otherwise, we can't live. And we need the food that we eat and the water that we drink. Otherwise, we cannot survive in this world without those things that are outside of us. But God doesn't need anything outside of himself. In fact, he was God before there was any oxygen. He was God before there was a world that was created. Amen. He was the God before there were the heavens and the earth. He was still God, and he was still real, and he was still alive. In fact, Paul writes in this particular passage and says that he's not even worshipped with men's hands as though he needs anything. We didn't come here today and worship because God needs our worship. He don't even need our worship. Hallelujah. We didn't come here to praise God. We didn't come here to sing songs because somehow God's got to have that in order to survive. I got news for you. We don't worship because he needs our worship, but we worship because we need to worship. Amen. You are going to worship something. You're going to worship something because you were made to worship. You were made to praise. It just depends on what you're worshiping. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I find it interesting that people sometimes come to our assemblies, and when we begin to worship, they're taken back because of our enthusiasm and because of our excitement and because of our demonstrative worship that we uh, engage in. Listen, I was walking down through the Denver airport yesterday, and apparently uh, there were some ball games that were uh, drawing the attention of a lot of people. And as I was walking down through the corridor, all of a sudden I heard everybody clapping and I heard people hollering and I thought, what is going on? I looked over here and everybody's glued to a television and they're watching. Hallelujah. And they're screaming. They're clapping their hands. They're excited. Hey, I got news for you, friend. There ain't a ball team. There's not a ball player that's ever done for me what Jesus has done. Nobody saved me. Nobody delivered me. Nobody helped me. Nobody changed me. So you better believe when I come to this house, I know who I'm going to worship. Hallelujah. I know who I'm going to worship. I'm going to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm going to worship the way maker. I'm going to worship the live the deliverer. I'm going to worship the miracle worker. 
Oh, I wish I had some folks here today that would get excited about the fact that you're here to worship because you need to worship him. Somebody clap your hands and shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. And so he said in Psalms 50 and 10, Every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you, for the world is mine, and the fullness thereof. Amen. So God owns it all. You may not pay your tithes, but he still owns it anyhow. You're just spending something that don't belong to you. Well, hallelujah. I thought I was preaching apostolics here this morning. God owns your talents. God owns your abilities. God owns your strength. God's give you everything that you have to be able to make whatever you make. You ought to be willing to worship him I said, be willing to worship him. <laughs> Amen. So, if God don't need anything, if God's self-sufficient, if God is capable of surviving with anything outside of him, then it seems so unusual that Jesus would say, the Lord has need of him. When you go and you find this donkey, I want you, if they say anything, if they ask you a question, if they say ought to you, then I want you to say to them, the Lord has need of him. And so when I read this, I thought, God has a need. And when I read what kind of need he had, then I had to ask myself the question, why? Why did he need a donkey? Why did he not need a white stallion? Why did he not need some high-stepping, beautiful creature that he had made as well as the donkey? Well, when I started thinking about it, I realized the donkey is a beast of burden. It really doesn't have any other value. I've traveled to a lot of different parts of the world, and especially in third world countries, I see donkeys being used profusively as burden bearers. Amen. Burden bearers. They're carrying a load. I've seen some carrying a load that I, I, I didn't even, couldn't even hardly believe that they were carrying the amount that they were carrying, or they were pulling a load behind them. And so when I read this, it re I realized that at one of the most critical times in the ministry and the life of Jesus Christ, he needed a donkey. He needed a burden bearer. Hallelujah. He needed something that would carry the load. My Lord, I feel Holy Ghost all over this place. Somebody shout hallelujah. 
you got to understand that Jesus never did anything by accident. It was always with a purpose. All Scripture, the Word of God is, it says, is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. We're also told that these things happen unto them as in samples unto us upon whom the ends of the world are come. So what we're finding in this story is not just a historical event, but we're finding a message that God is trying to send to us. He's trying to show us what he's looking for out of our lives, what he's looking for in our walk with him. Oh, glory to God. Whenever he needed that donkey, he was fulfilling prophecy. Rejoice greatly. Zechariah 9 and 9. O daughter of Zion, shout. O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. So we know that first of all, he needed to fulfill a prophecy, but he also needed to send every one of us a message. And that message is uh, he doesn't need fancy horses to ride on. And he doesn't need white stallions to ride on. But there are times that God just needs somebody to carry a burden. Somebody to carry a load. Somebody that will decide I'll be a burden bearer. Oh, hallelujah. Can I preach to you here today? That it doesn't matter how pretty you are. It doesn't matter how talented you are. It doesn't matter what your earthly possessions are. It's whether or not you can carry a burden. It's whether or not you know how to pray. It's whether or not you know how to worship. Whether or not you know how to live for God. Amen. Doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what your life has been. The church just needs a burden bearer. God just needs a burden bearer. Hallelujah. Because you've got to understand this afternoon that the church wasn't built on white stallions. Hallelujah. The church wasn't built on fancy horses. The church was built on burden bearers. Hallelujah. When Pastor Mayo showed up in Spokane, he didn't show up with a stallion attitude. He didn't show up with a fancy horse attitude. He showed up with a burden in his heart, a burden in his spirit that said, I've got a message to preach. I've got a gospel to deliver. I've got a desire to see souls saved. Amen. Amen. You see, we live in a current religious environment. And, and I'm, I'm not going to preach a long time, but I'm not going to hurry. Is that all right? Because I have a message I feel like the Holy Ghost wants me to preach here today. Amen. God just needs a donkey sometimes. And so if you'll notice in our current religious environment, people are always focused on the blessing. Amen. Not long ago, I was, just for curiosity's sake, I decided that I would just go here and there and see what I could find. Uh, not because I needed something to preach, because I got more to preach than I can preach. 
Amen. I got 67 books to preach out of. But I was just kind of perusing around, uh, looking and listening to various people from the evangelical movement to see what they were preaching. And I realized they were all saying the same thing. They were preaching about God's blessing plan. Hallelujah. Now, I know you think right there when I said that, I don't believe in the blessings of God. No, I believe in the blessings of God. But, but the problem is they were talking about the blessings of God without commitment. Blessings of God without consecration. Blessings of God without any kind of personal devotion to the things of God. Well, hallelujah. Amen. The only thing they wanted to tell people is God will pay your mortgage off. God will pay your car payment for you. God will do this for you. God will do that for you. And they never told them one time about how to be saved. Never told them how to come out of sin. Never told them how to come out of the world. Never told them what it took to escape the very flames of hell. Amen. And so they're talking about the blessings, the great blessings and all of that. But, you know, when you look at this beast of burden, when you look at this donkey, it's got to be understood that the burden or the load that this donkey carried was God manifest in the flesh. Whoo, hallelujah. What greater blessing could you get than carrying the burden of Jesus Christ in your life? Hallelujah. What greater blessing. You see, sometimes we get focused on the blessing when we ought, we might ought to be thinking about the burden because it comes to reality in our mind and our thinking that sometimes your greatest blessing comes from the greatest burden that you bear. The greatest blessing comes because you're willing to get under the load. You're willing to say, I'll share it. I'll carry it. The bishop from Zambia made this statement to me whenever, as, as I was getting ready to leave and come back to the States, he said, I'm already getting resistance. I know that people are going to talk about me. I know they're going to think I've lost my mind. He said, but I've seen it, and I know it's the truth, and I've made my mind up. I'm willing to accept whatever they say, whatever they do, because I discovered that this is the truth. Now you know what he's seeing. He's seeing Holy Ghost revival. The blessing is coming because he's willing to bear the burden of reproach. Amen. When you look at the kings of the world, when you look at the leaders of past, uh, great con uh, uh, people that had great conquest in their world, Attila the Hun. Alexander the Great, Napoleon Bonaparte, and we can name others. How are they pictured? How do you see them? Anytime you see a picture painted of them, when you see them in battle, you see them riding a great white stallion. You see them with the stallion reared up. You see the nostrils flaring, the mane as it's flowing. Amen. And you see all the glory of that. Why? Because Napoleon needs a white stallion to make him look better. And Attila the Hun needs a white stallion to make him look better. 
But when the king of kings came riding to town, and when the lord of lords came riding to town, he didn't need a white stallion. He just needed a lowly donkey because he wasn't worried about the donkey making him look good. I need somebody to help me right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, I feel Holy Ghost. I got news for you, friend. Listen, you got to understand this preacher here today. I thank God for our musicians. I thank God for our singers. I thank God for the talent that God's blessed the apostolic church with. But you got to understand here today that you don't make him look better when you sing. You don't make him look better. I don't care how well you can play. He makes you look good. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Pastor, the apostolic church doesn't need divas. We don't need apostolic divas to make the church look better, to make Jesus look better. We don't need Instagram influencers to somehow make Jesus look better. Let me tell you what the church still needs. It needs a burden bearer. Somebody that'll get under the load. Somebody that says, listen, I'll live it. I'll love it. Amen. So rather than pursuing the blessing, maybe we ought to be pursuing the burden. Because so often, the greatest blessing comes from the burden that we bear. Hallelujah. I'm going somewhere, so hang on for a few minutes. Hallelujah. Sometime your greatest burden, you see, go through the word of God and you read it. When David was anointed to be the king over Israel, he didn't go from being anointed to being on the throne. But he lived for 10 years at least of his life before he ever ascended the throne in Israel. He was a man chased by his own king. He was a man pursued by men that hated him. He was a man that fought just to survive everything that was against him. He bore the burden, but the day came that the blessing of the throne was given to him. The blessing of kingship was given to him. Amen. And so the next thing we learn about this business of God needing a donkey is that the writers make it very clear that this donkey was one that had never been ridden. It was untrained. It was undeveloped, which tells us a little bit about who God chooses. It tells us the kind of people that God seeks out. Amen. Now, now stay. Listen, I, I, I'm not trying to be offensive to anybody, but I'm just going to tell you. If you think you've got it all together and your world is perfect and you really don't need Jesus Christ, then he really don't need you either. Oh, hallelujah. 
Have you looking around at us here today saying, I don't, I can't never be like that? Well, listen, you just got to understand we know where we come from. And we know what the Lord brought us out of. We got people in this house that got delivered from drug addiction, got delivered from alcoholism, got delivered from a promiscuous lifestyle, an immoral lifestyle. And here they are today. They got righteousness, they got peace, they got joy in the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to tell you, friend, you're not going to stop their praise. You're not going to stop their worship. Amen. If you're sitting here today and you're thinking, Amen. I see these people, I look at these people and I think I can never be like one of them. I can never rise to that position. I see them, they look so godly, they look so holy, they look they look so happy and so joyous. If they just knew where I was coming from, if you knew the kind of life that I have lived, if you knew the world that I came from, the environment I was raised in, if you just knew some of the crimes I've committed, I got news for you, friend, that's the kind of person God's looking for. God's looking for somebody. All he wants, you may be unqualified, but he'll qualify you. You may be untrained, but he'll develop you. I don't have the pedigree some of you all have. That may be what you're thinking right now. My mama was not saved. My daddy wasn't saved. My daddy was an alcoholic. My mama was a drug addict. I come from a broken home. My parents were divorced. I've been, I have been, I have been from pillar to post. I've not had any stability in life. My whole life has been a wreck. My whole world's been a wreck. And Jesus is looking at you saying, all I need is somebody that will carry a burden. All I want to know is, are you willing to carry me in your life? Are you willing to let me ride on your life? Jesus looked at Simon Peter one day and said, I want to use your boat. And, and so he got on Peter's boat and he pushed it off from the shore a little bit and he taught from that boat. He spoke to the crowd that was on the shore from that boat. He used Simon Peter's boat as a platform to preach to others that were on the shore. And that's all the Lord wants to do in your life is to use your life as a platform. He wants to use your life as a pulpit to preach to others, to tell people that there's hope, to tell people that they can be changed, to let others know that God will do for them what he did for you. Amen. But I don't need all of this. I don't need all this. I got my life. My life is together. Everything's pretty stable. Everything's pretty secure. And I really don't have to have all of that. I, I'm, I'm really not in that position. I think I've got my life pretty well developed and trained. And I'm in pretty good position on every hand. Well, the Lord just looking at you saying, if, if, that's, if that's your world, if that's your life, then really that's not what I'm looking for. Because when I have a need, all I need sometimes is just a donkey. All I need is somebody that will say, come on, let, you can ride on my life. 
You can teach from my boat. You can ride on my world. And you can let everybody know that's around me that God is great and that God is powerful and that God can change your life and that God can bring you back from the dead, that God can restore you, that God can change you. Do I have anybody believe what I'm saying here today? Woo! Hallelujah. Ride on me, Jesus. Lord, I feel Holy Ghost. I say, ride on me, Jesus. Ride on, King Jesus. Ride on my life. Use my voice. Use my world. Use my breath. Use my energy. Use my voice. Use my eyes. He qualifies the unqualified. I'm trying to help somebody here today. Doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what your heritage is. It doesn't matter what your family life has been. Jesus said, if you just let me ride, I'll change everything about your life. Amen. There's another lesson we learned from this story. And that is when you carry the burden of Jesus Christ, he does all the heavy lifting. Can I say that again? Whenever you carry the burden of Jesus Christ, he does all the heavy lifting. Here's what the, the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 53 and 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep are gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Can I tell you again, when you carry the burden of Jesus Christ, he does all the heavy lifting. You need to quit listening to the devil when he tells you it's too hard to live for God. Amen. I'm going to say that again. You need to quit listening to the devil when he tells you it's too hard to live for God. You need to ask him, when did you die for me? When did you carry my burdens? When did you carry my sorrows? When did you bear my grief? You need to look at the devil and say, when did you ever lighten my load? You never lighten my load one time. You added to my load. You added to my heartache. You added to my sorrow. You added to my guilt. You added to my shame. 
But when Jesus comes, he says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you shall find rest for your soul. Huh? Don't tell me about this business of being hard to live for God. It's hard to live for the devil. The prophet was right. The preacher was right when he said the way of a transgressor is hard. I said the way of a transgressor is hard. Amen. When you get up every morning and you got a headache from the night before, a hangover, and you're struggling to wake up and you're struggling to get your life together, Whenever your family is is being destroyed because uh, you got a drug addiction that that you can't get under control, uh, and whenever your life is upside down because uh, you, oh glory to God, help me, Jesus, Hallelujah, because you're so addicted to pornography, you don't even know your way out of where you are. I bumped something right there in the Holy Ghost, and I know I did. Somebody shout hallelujah. I said somebody shout hallelujah. Amen. Don't talk to me about hard to live for God. Amen. I'll tell you what's hard. It's hard to break a drug addiction. It's hard to break an alcoholic addiction. It's hard to break the addiction of pornography. Amen. When you live for Jesus Christ, friend, he does all the heavy lifting. All you got to do is just worship him, live for him, praise him, magnify him. Come on. He did the hard part. He died for you. All you got to do is live for him. You go ahead, watch stallion. You go ahead and look at all of us donkeys out here and make fun of us if you want to. But I'm having a whole lot more fun carrying Jesus than you are carrying your ego, carrying your arrogance, carrying your struggle. Huh? Huh? Donkeys are for endurance and not for speed. And that's what the Bible teaches us because the race is not for the swift. It's he that endures to the end. It's he that's still here when they've been through the trial. It's he that's still here when they've been through the test. 
It's here. It's the one that's here whenever they've been through all kinds of hell on earth, and they're still living for God. There was a race in the old Grecian times that they called the torch race. And I don't know the Greek name. I don't have it here in front of me, but it was, it was called in English, it was called the torch race. And, and, and the torch race was simply this, that every runner was put in their hand, they were, they were given a torch, and that torch was lit. And whenever the signal was given for the race, and they started out on the track to run, it was not the first one that finished necessarily that won the race. But it was the one that finished with his torch still lit that won the race. Hallelujah. You see, I may not run like a stallion, but I made my mind up. I'm just going to keep right on plotting. Come on. I was here yesterday. I'm here today, and I'm going to be here tomorrow. I lived for God when I was 16, and I'm still living for God when I'm 66. I'm still living for God. My mind's made up. I may not be the fastest stallion, but I'm just going to keep right on plodding on because I'm carrying the greatest gift that the world has ever known. Come on. Come on. You know what God needs? God needs some enduring saints. Some saints that make up their mind. I may be struggling today, but I'm still going to live for God. I may be up and down, but I'm not going to be in and out. Amen. I may have problems, but I'm not letting my problems destroy my walk with God. Amen. I'm going to finish this race with my torch still lit. Because I already made my mind how I'm going to die. I'm going to die loving Jesus Christ. I'm going to die talking in tongues. I'm going to die loving this message of the God of creation. I'm going to die preaching, neither is there salvation and no other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I'm going to die shouting. I'm going to die dancing. I'm going to die letting the world know, ain't nobody do me like Jesus. Can't nobody do me like Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. There's another lesson we learn. And when you carry the burden, or just because you carry the burden, doesn't mean you get the credit. <laughs> I said, because you carry the burden doesn't mean you get the credit. You see, the donkey was covered with blankets. And they put their robes in the pathway for him to walk on. And as he was carrying Jesus, everybody was screaming, Hosanna. Hosanna. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. 
And whenever, I, I, I hope this is all right because this is what I feel in the Holy Ghost. And I feel it all over more than anywhere else. Hallelujah. Some of y'all will get that about midnight tonight. Amen. Or after you get lunch. <laughs> Amen. But you see, they were, he was carrying Jesus. And they're screaming, Hosanna. That donkey could have said, whoa, would y'all look at that crowd. Wow, look at that. Man, they, they, this is awesome. This is awesome. But it wasn't he that got the credit. It was the one they were, that, that he was carrying that got the credit. The one that he was, the one that was on his shoulders was the one that got the credit. Preacher, listen to me. I don't care how, how good you preach. It ain't you that gets the credit. It's the one you're preaching about that gets the credit. Hallelujah, singer, it don't matter how good you sing and how much they shout when you sing. You don't get the credit. It's the one you're singing about. It's the one you're talking about. Huh? Young preacher got up one time to preach and he walked up the pulpit, had his shoulders back, had his head up, had his Bible under his arm, laid his Bible down, read his scripture, and stood up to preach or stepped back to preach, and nothing came out. He read his verse again, started again, nothing came out. A third time he started, nothing came out, and he just closed his Bible. He stepped off the platform. He had such a, uh, he was so humiliated. His arms and legs were almost, his arms were almost dragging the ground. His shoulders were so far over. He went down and sat by an old preacher on the front pew. And the old preacher leaned over and said, Son, if you would have gone up to that pulpit like you came down, he said, You would have come down like you went up. Because you got to understand, this ain't about us, this is about him. This ain't about us. It's about him. This ain't about us. It's about him. Woo! When I shout, it ain't about me. It's about him. When I dance, it ain't about me. It's about him. All right, I'm almost done. I think. I'm almost done, but I don't know if the Holy Ghost is done. Amen. You see, there's one more lesson I want to point out. And that is, Jesus said to these disciples, he said, you go in the village and you'll find an ass tied, a colt with her, loose them and bring them unto me. You cannot carry the burden until you've been untied. You can't carry the burden until you've been loosed. Huh? You see, as long as you're tied to that post, the scene never changes. Your world never changes. The view never changes. Nothing about your life changes. It's the same old thing day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, day out. Your world is the same. Your life is the same. Nothing changes. You cannot carry the burden of Jesus Christ until you have been untied. 
You've been tied up by shame. You've been tied up by guilt. You've been tied up by all sorts of things that have so bound your life down that you can't carry Jesus Christ. You see, to carry the burden, you've got to be willing for two things to happen in your life. You've got to be willing to have somebody untie you and somebody to lead you. And until you are untied and until somebody leads you to Jesus Christ, you're never going to carry the burden. You're never going to bear the load. You're never going to be what God needs. Your world's never going to change. The view from where you stand is never going to change. Because you see, one, one party is just like the last party. One experience is like the last experience where sin is concerned. Nothing changes. When they untied that donkey and they led him to Jesus Christ, all of a sudden his whole world changed. Because no longer is he looking at a post he's tied to. But he's walking down a pathway and there's rejoicing. There's shouting. There's dancing. There's people crying out, Hosanna to the highest. His whole world changes every step he takes. It's a brand new step into a brand new world and a brand new life. And some of us sit here with our little pious attitude, with our little Pentecostal pious spirit, and we feel so sorry for those that are tied up to the post of sin and guilt and shame and degradation in the world. When you yourself are tied up to comfort, to complacency, to lethargy, you're tied up. Huh? You're so comfortable in church, nobody can get you to do anything. You don't even want to worship when you come to church. And, oh, help me, Jesus, right now. Hallelujah. I say, help me, Jesus, right now. You don't want to praise him. You don't want to lift your hands. You got it all together. You see, you went from being a donkey to a stallion. And I got news for you, friend. God doesn't need, God doesn't need stallions sitting on the pew. He doesn't need pious saints. If we're going to turn Spokane upside down, we got to have some donkeys that will bear the burden of the gospel of Jesus Christ that will get out and witness, that will get out and tell people about Jesus. Let's stand, let's stand, let's stand. You know what your problem is? You're looking at the burden and you're comparing it to your contentment. But your problem is you've gotten bound to your contentment. 
You've gotten bound to your satisfied position, your satisfied place. You're happy where you are. But nobody sees Jesus in your life because you're not willing to be loosed. You're not willing to be set free from your contentment. You're happy where you are. Let me tell you something that we that I found in the book of Revelation chapter 3 when we talk about the church of the Laodiceans. And, and, and Jesus made a statement to them. He said, he said to them, he said, listen, he said, you, he said because you say I am rich. He, he told them, he said, look, I wish you were hot or cold. He said, but because you're lukewarm. Help me right now, Jesus. Because you are lukewarm. He said, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. He said, because you say I am rich I am increased with goods, and I have need of nothing. Now, let me help you understand what Jesus was saying in that particular passage. He was not condemning the fact that they were rich and they were increased with goods. Uh-uh. Because I'm going to tell you, God does want to bless his people. I said God does want to bless. There is what's called a redemptive lift in this thing. Wherever you come from, whenever you start coming to Jesus Christ, he'll give you a redemptive lift. I've seen people that had nothing when they came to Jesus. And because they got to carrying the burden of the Lord in their life and living for God, God began to bless them. Great things came their way. I've seen people that were homeless that today they have their own business and are very successful. Huh? Jesus didn't have a problem with the fact that they were rich and increased with goods. What he had a problem with is, you say, I'm rich, increased with goods, and I have need of nothing. He said, my problem is, you've allowed your riches and your increase of goods to replace your need of me. And he said, that's what I have a problem with. Because what he's telling them is, I don't have a problem with your riches. I don't have a problem with your wealth. I don't have a problem with you being increased with goods. I just want you when you show back up to my house to say, God, I still need you. God, I still need you. God, I got to help. I got to have your help. I need you to make the difference in my life. What he's looking for is somebody that will say, I needed you when I was broke. And I needed you now when I got money in the bank. I needed you when my family was destroyed and my marriage was broken up. And I need you now because my family's put back together and everything is going good. I need you more than ever. <laughs> you can't carry the burden until you've been loosed. And if you're not willing to be loosed and you're not willing to be led, you can never carry the burden. Huh? Amen. Years and years ago, my dad baptized a boy coming right out of the hippie world. And this way back there, whenever it was really, it was hip to be hippie. Amen. And, and so he baptized him here, way down here on his back like this. And whenever he came out of the waters, they were standing by the baptismal tank. My dad looked at him and said, son, go next week and get your hair cut. 
And he looked at his, my dad and he said, when God tells me to do it, that's when I'll do it. My dad looked at him and said, why do you think God's got me here? He said, yes, sir. And he went and got his hair cut. He's still living for God today. Huh? That's been over 40 years ago, and he's still living for God today. What I'm trying to tell you is, if you ever get willing to be loosed and led, you can carry the burden of Jesus Christ. Carry the load of the gospel and help somebody to be saved. And so I'm trying this morning, and I'm wrapping it up. Get ready because I feel like the Holy Ghost wants to help somebody here. If you're in this house and you've been struggling, you've been saying, you know what? I really, really, really would like to get the Holy Ghost. I just don't know if I'm qualified. You know what qualifies you? Faith that he died for you. Huh? And obedience to repentance and being baptized in Jesus' name. And he'll fill you with the Holy Ghost. He'll qualify you. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter where you come from. Doesn't matter what your life has been. It doesn't matter what your world is. Jesus is looking for somebody. Because you see, sometimes all God needs is a donkey. All he needs is a burden bearer. He just needs somebody that will say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. You may be here this morning. You might even be a child of God. You may have been in church for a while, but you've been struggling because you just kind of got comfortable and you're relaxed and you're enjoying living for God, but you really don't want to be bothered. You really don't want to be troubled about the work of the kingdom. And you're realizing I can't stay where I am. Because I got news for you, friend. When you're tied by complacency and you're tied by comfort, the scene of your walk with God never changes. But when you get loosed and start carrying Jesus Christ, it won't be long. You'll be sitting in the living room with somebody that's hungry for God, that wants the Holy Ghost, and you'll help them get the Holy Ghost. It won't be long. God will help you find somebody on your job that's hungry for God. Woo! Hallelujah! This altar's open right now. I'm done. I'm done. Amen. This altar is open. I feel like there's some people here today that need to find a place to get a hold of God and say, God, just, just, if, if, God, if, if I can just be of use to you, if I can be a blessing, if I can be a help, put the load on my life. Put the load on my life. Put the load on my shoulders. Help me to carry the burden. Help me to reach a world that's lost. Help me to be a blessing in the name of Jesus. Come on, would you pray right now, church? Would you lift your voice in prayer? Hallelujah. If you see somebody coming to the altar this morning that needs the Holy Ghost, would you join them? Would you help lead them to this altar? Would you help loose them this morning? Would you pray with them in the name of Jesus? Yes, Lord. 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 Yes,
Come on, I wish, I wish Cornerstone would lift your voice right now. I wish somebody would cry out. I wish somebody would really cry out right now. I wish somebody would really reach out right now. I wish somebody would say, Jesus, let me be a donkey. Jesus, let me bear the burden. Come on, come on, come on, come on, church, come on. Come on. There's tears being shed here today. There's tears falling around this altar. There's tears falling. Come on, church, we need some help here this morning. If you've got the Holy Ghost, we need your help. We need your prayer right now. Show me your glory, Jesus. Show me your glory, Jesus. Show me your power. Oh 
somebody pray. We need some burden bearers right now. Come on, come on, come on, come on. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, there's a breakthrough in the spirit right now trying to take place. Come on, church. There's a breakthrough in the Holy Ghost trying to take place right now. There's a Holy Ghost breakthrough trying to happen.
Jesus said, loose him. Loose him. Come on, church, lay your hands on some people and loose them. Come on, loose them right now in the name of Jesus. Loose them of the power of the blood of Calvary. Loose them right now. Set them free. Set them free. Set them free. Set them free.
delivers from your shame, delivers from your past. Came upon me to eat up our words, they stumbled and fell. Yeah. 